Beautiful, thank you so much. Friends, good morning. Welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church on this sixth Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Zhu Yang, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can gather in person and online, wherever you may be joining us, that we can praise and worship our Savior together as a family of God. As always, we invite you to let us know how we can be in touch with you, connect with you to pray for you. There's the physical hospitality pad. Please fill that out and pass it to your neighbors. Uh, there is the QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use your smartphone uh, to connect with us. And of course, there is a virtual hospitality link for those of us joining us online to use to let us know how we can communicate with you. Friends, I know it's a little bit warm today, yeah? Yeah? It's not, ju <laughs> it's not just the temperature, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit working deep within us. That wasn't meant to be a joke but I'm glad we find it funny. Uh, so grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Taylor. What else should we know today? Well, if you really want to cool down, we encourage you to participate in our midsummer market, which is to get ready for Christmas. So we're, we're kind of getting to that uh, Christmas in July mode. We want you to be a part of that aspect of our church that we can continue to be a generous church uh, well into the Christmas season, um, but that's something that you can participate in right now. Um, there's always things going on in the life of the church that you can find in your bulletin. We also want to draw your attention. I know every Sunday you enjoy beautiful flowers. Uh, these flowers were given to, uh, as a gift to our head usher, Jerry Brady, who has been our, an usher for 25 years in the life of our church, um, which is such an um, amazing gift that he's offered to us as a church, but also just such a testament of what it means to say yes to God when God gives us a call, and that call might be to hospitality and to greeting, and we want to invite you to consider if God may be calling you to that kind of ministry. We have ushers, we have greeters, um, that is such a gift to the life of our church, and we want to encourage you all to ask yourself if that may be something God is calling you to. So I, let us continue on in worship together as God's church.
Church, let us continue to join our voices in the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This is the point in the service where we join our voices again in a prayer of confession, where we realize that we are broken together. Let us go to God. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The epistle reading is Romans, chapter 7, beginning with the 15th verse. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So then it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my, most, in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin 
which dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I serve myself the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. As Mark just read, Paul writes in verse 15, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very things that I hate. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. So if you know Paul, you've read his letters, studied him a bit, I can't help but to wonder, is Paul being too hard on himself? Maybe he should exercise more self-care, self-love, self-affirmation. He seems to be perhaps a bit too harsh when it comes to self-critique. I hope so, because Paul really knows the laws. Uh, This is no fool writing about these things. No one knew the laws better than Paul, much like John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. Uh, It's been said that John Wesley kept a meticulous, almost obsessive journal where he recorded every part of his day, all of his actions, and he tried his best to write down every member of his thoughts so as not to sin, to abstain from sinning, to grow in holiness toward perfection. But I imagine John Wesley would nod yes to what Paul is writing here that he, just like Paul, could relate to this dissonance that exists. So what is Paul getting at here? Is this simply about the X's and O's, the to-do list of the laws as we find it to be true in the Bible? Is this something as simple as I know that the Bible, the Lord is telling me to do A, B, and C, but despite knowing that I should do A, B, and C, I end up doing D, E, and F? Uh, That's surely a part of it. But it's so much more than that. Paul would say that it's so much more devious and insidious than the very basic premise of knowing what to do and not doing it. That there is an invisible yet very clear limitation to all of us, even for people like Paul, even for people like John Wesley, that there's a dissonance that exists in their lives from their will to reality. I remember my uh, first, first time I asked a girl out on a date. Uh, this was in first grade. <laughs> Is that so funny? How old were you? I didn't know that I was doing that when I was in first grade, but in retrospect, that's, that's kind of what I was trying to do. There was this girl whose face I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember her name, not by a long shot, but I do remember wanting to tell her how I felt about her for a very long time, and it seemed like an eternity before I worked out the courage to approach her, to share my feelings, and uh, in my own way as a first grader, ask her on a date. I had it all worked out. I had a manuscript to, to what I was going to say, how to save face if I was rejected, body movement, facial gestures, tone of voice. So the final fateful day came, and I walked toward her uh, to this said girl, and this is how I this is how my first date went. I punched into your arm and ran away really quickly. 
Yeah. There was not a second date. <laughs> the dissonance. I do not do what I want to do, but the very thing that I hate is what I do. I wish I could tell you that such dissonance in my life ended after my first grade, but that disconnect, that dissonance continues to this day. Now, some dissonance is something as obvious as knowing what I should do and not doing it, just like when I was in first grade. But over the years, my dissonance has gotten far more complex. Dissonance between what I desire and how it ends up. Dissonance between my initial direction toward a particular path and where I end up, finally. Dissonance between how I desire to care for others. But unbeknownst to me, I end up causing harm despite my desire to care. Dissonance of how I seek to share love with those around me near and far and how that love is ultimately perceived in ways that I did not intend it to be to those whom I care to love, the dissonance. There are times, and I'm sure perhaps many of you can relate, when I mean well, know what I should do, and I do those things, and I still reap destruction anyways. The dissonance. Uh, The older I get, now that I'm a father especially, and a pastor, I see this dissonance play out all too often to my dismay. I really wanna love my kids and do right by them, and despite my sincere, deep, sacrificial desire, dissonance is still there. I'm sure I've caused harm and will continue to do so in different ways. For Paul, the root of the problem does not lie in weak willpower or lack of self-knowledge. Rather, the problem is sin. The problem is sin. Sin that Paul describes is not only our foolish behaviors, our faults, and our mistakes. But Paul contends here that despite knowing the best, doing the best, sin takes a life of its own, takes that which we mean for good, and thwart it for its own devious purposes. The problem is sin. Paul would know this quite well from his own story. You know Paul's story. Before Paul, he was Saul. His first encounter with the Lord is Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember when uh, he got struck blind and God instructed Ananias to help Saul, Paul? What was Ananias' response? Why should I help this man? He is a persecutor of Christians. Why did Paul persecute, hunt down, and kill Christians? He meant well. He was doing his best to know, follow, and obey the laws of God. So he thought. He knows the dissonance all too well. He lived it to great tragedies in his own life. So where do we go from here? Because Paul writes, knowing his story quite well, In verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
And Paul answers the very next verse, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul suggests that we cannot rescue ourselves from ourselves. Paul says more self cannot heal the distorted version of the self. To put it another way, if the problem is self-centeredness, you can't heal that condition with more self-assertion. But instead, if the problem is the self, we need help from outside the self. We need the Messiah. We need a savior. What's the hope and the cure for this dissonance? Grace. Grace of God. Grace of God that is unmerited, unwarranted, undeserved. Grace of God. I'm just gonna pivot here a little bit, somewhat related to the text, but perhaps not completely. As Paul writes here, and as John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, write all too well in different parts of his sermons, and as I have shared with you, and as many of you perhaps can relate upon prayerful, honest reflection, there are so many times in my life where I had sincere and good desires to share grace, to be of God's instrument of healing, reconciliation, and redemption. Let me pause there a little bit. I didn't always have good intentions. There are times where I caused harm because I had bad intentions, right? But most of the time, I really had good intentions. And in those times, unfortunately, beyond my control, though I did what I did, said what I said with good, sincere desires for goodness and graciousness, I've caused harm. I've done bad. I've wounded people. Can you relate? A lot of these folks uh, that I have wounded throughout my life, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon, unfortunately, uh, they're no longer with me. Some of them have died. Many of them are just far and away. My brother, my parents, my friends, church members whom I've loved dearly, they're no longer in my periphery. They're away from me now, but I still pray for them. I pray for them, and here's how I pray for them. I pray for the strangers in their lives. Well, strangers to me anyways. I pray for the strangers that I've never met, probably I'll never meet, the strangers that surround my brother, my parents, my church members and friends, in different places around, all around the world, I pray for them. I pray that the places where I fail to demonstrate perfect God's grace in their lives, that these strangers will pick up the baton to continue the works of God's grace in the lives of those whom I love but see no more. Those whom I don't have much influence and connection with anymore. You know, in many ways, all of us here we started as strangers, did we not? Uh, you remember the first week of July 2018? Of course you do. That was my first Sunday. I was a stranger in a strange place, but now we're a family. I like to believe that as you walked into, whenever first time it was for you here at Mars Park United Methodist Church, as you came to this place as strangers, that somebody prayed for you. 
that though their beloved is no longer within their reach, that you would meet strangers who would continue the works of God's grace in your life, in this place. As we share time here at Myers Park as a staff and as a clergy, that's what we pray for that all those who enter the doors of our church, those who join us virtually wherever we may be gathering, that we treat one another as we would want other strangers to treat our beloved family and friends wherever they may be. That would be God's instrument of continuous grace upon your life. In, in other churches, as I do here at Mars Park, I used to visit a lot of nursing homes and hospices and uh, there are several folks within those communities who suffered and were dying from Alzheimer's, advanced dementia. My grandmother on my father's side still living at the last stages of dementia. And I remember some of the members, caring members, who said, Uyan, you don't have to visit so often. You don't have to go there for so long, so frequently they won't remember that you were ever there. The moment you leave, they'll forget about you. And I thought about this for some time because uh, time was precious, still is precious, and I just had a lot of different things happening, and I, it just kind of struck a chord with me. And here's what I realized. I want to visit those folks, Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever illnesses, awareness that they may or may not have, I want to visit them as I would want strangers to visit my grandmother. I want to visit them and spend time with them, listen to them, hold their hands, pray with them, as I would want others to visit my mom and dad when time comes for them. I want to visit them as I would want to visit any of my friends, as I would want to visit any one of you, as I would want you to visit me. That works of God's grace will continue on through strangers. By the way, if you, uh, parents, if you have children who are nearing the age where they'll leave the home, you betcha you'll be praying for strangers. Yes? That God's grace that will manif manifest apart from your care will continue to unfold through the hands and the words and the actions of strangers wherever our children may go from here. So it may be so that we here at Morris Park United Methodist Church, we welcome strangers in our midst. We pray for them, care for them, love them, visit them as we would our parents, our children, our siblings, our friends, knowing that though I may be imperfect as a vessel of God's grace, God's grace will be made perfect through God's family that is the church. We do so remembering always that God's grace is and will be enough, always enough. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us open our hearts to God in prayer. God ever-loving, we turn to you in uncertain times, trusting in your steadfast love. 
when we are anxious about the future, when we are overwhelmed by our responsibilities, when we fear conflict or violence in daily life. Bring peace and hope and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, God of all compassion, when we are lonely or isolated, longing for love, when we are trapped in unhealthy relationships, when we are grieving the loss of someone we love, bring courage and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, God of tender strength, when we feel pain in our bodies, in our minds, or spirit, when illness has eroded our hope, and when desperation for help fills each day, bring healing and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy. God of trustworthy truth, where leaders work to guide <clears throat> communities to renewed life, where individuals strive to care for the earth and its vulnerable inhabitants, and where people stand up against unjust policies or practices, bring wisdom and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy. O God, in whom we live and move and have our being, when our hope flickers, reignite its power. Shine the light of Christ's love into each life and renew our trust and commitment to you. As we pray together in the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Your generosity makes possible all the missions of this church, and one of the great summer missions that we experience here is our youth going throughout the world, throughout the community, on mission trips. Your generosity makes that happen. On behalf of the youth department, I thank you for your tithes and your offerings. Ushers, if you will.
Oh, gracious God, receive our gifts as token of our gratitude for your goodness to us. Bless them so that it becomes seeds of generosity, bringing life to others. In Jesus' name, amen. and grace of our God bridge all the dissonances in our lives, trusting that God's grace is enough. So may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.